0: Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by
1: the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts.
2: Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Middle of the Pack podcast. We are here at episode 10, and after taking another week off from our busy schedules, we are back with another topic, another new episode. Uh, Before we dive into it, we can go around and see what we've all been up to. Derek, how are you feeling, bud?
2: Well, I currently have COVID, so that's fun. Um, If I don't talk a lot on this episode, that is why, because I'm probably hacking up a lung. Uh, so, yeah, just got COVID, just got my results back yesterday. But I will be done with my quarantine the day before uh, Savage, Maryland. So I'll be at Savage, Maryland. Probably not going to race.
1: At least I'll be there. How about yourself, Charles? I'm doing pretty good. I'm managing busy show delivery schedule. Just uh, put it, just delivered another Nat Geo show. Just to po- pull a quick plug, uh, when this episode drops on Thursday... It'll actually be the release of the long project I worked on last year, which is Secret of the Whales will be dropping on Disney Plus if anybody wants to go watch stuff about whales. So there you go. (laughs) So that'll be coming out. But yeah, I'm just stuck in show online hell for the next several months until like July. So Megan, how have things been for you?
3: Eh, they've been okay. Really busy with work. Suddenly, everything's slowly starting to open up, and people are coming back to the gym in Boston. I also went out to Fit Challenge. Now, it was last weekend. Um, Kept my band. A lot of wicked fast people. I had zero intention of ever even chasing that podium. All I wanted was my band, and I did it. Zero complaints there.
2: Nice. Nice. You also have a first coming up in two
3: weeks, correct? I do. I am. I, I want to say I'm training um, for Savage Maryland, but I actually haven't really been stressing it too much. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for it, though. I think it's going to be awesome. And I just I want to see some wicked hard rigs. That is all I want. Oh,
2: you definitely will. And yeah. you also will see a fuck ton of mud.
1: Oh, yeah, good. That's, that Maryland spot gets muddy. Like that's one of the few surprising venues that still has mud. In the north and then the, the north, hard quotation marks on that. Yeah, you'll be uh, Maryland running.
3: below the Mason Dixon line.
1: Uh, I don't know. I should...
3: Yeah, it's not in the north.
1: And whatever. I like Google on it right now. All I know is Maryland was a neutral state in the Civil War, but that's about it. And I just don't like the state of Maryland myself. But This week, the past several days, we've been building up to this episode, which is a topic we've kind of mentioned in past episodes. We have brought it up as in finding out what your why is in this sport. We've put our bodies through physical hell. We've put our heads through... I mean, waves of emotions trying to either go through competition or just finish a super hard race. Like, we push ourselves through this, and for what? It's definitely more than just the medal at the end of the race. It's definitely more than just a finisher shirt or whatever. It's what is kind of pushing us over all these obstacles to get to uh, the finish line. So we really wanted to know what everyone, why they were doing this. Why do we do this at all? So I kind of wanted to open the floor to any one of us who would first want to share exactly kind of why we started this sport or why we even – what gets us out of bed to really get up at, like, 5 a.m. and drive out to to a cold-ass race to do a race?
2: I mean, for me personally, I mean, mine's kind of changed, and, like, over time as well as race to race. I mean, I started it just because I – I mean – people always tell me like, Oh, like you are, you know, have it so lucky, you know, you've, you're fit this and that. And like, what people don't realize is like, I was that like short little chubby kid all through like high school and college. Like I was that kid picked last for everything. So to me, like that's when I first started doing racing was just to kind of honestly, just to start fitness in general and go on my fitness journey. Um, But it's kind of warped and changed over time to now. I like to see, you know, how much I can push my body and how much I can do. Um, where I, you know, maybe in the past didn't think I could do that distance or that obstacle or anything like that. So it's kind of changed a lot, but also um, I like to prove people wrong. So a big part of my why is when people tell me I can't do something. I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I registered for the 100 miler this year and why I chose the 100 miler that I did be in Leadville because I had so many people and so many people continue to tell me that I can't do it. So for me, you know, a big why is just, proving to them, but also myself that I can. Um, That's pretty much where I'm at now with most of my races and why I do them outside of just overall having fun and meeting great people, honestly.
1: I I do somewhat relate to that because it's definitely not my why, but I was one of those people throughout high school and college, I was not an athlete in any way, shape, or form. And so I kind of like, after I dropped out of college, going back through, I eventually ended up losing weight and kind of found running and then OCR we kind of became the challenge for that, but that definitely wasn't my why. It was just kind of like something of like I kind of found being an athlete through OCR. But yeah, my why has kind of always changed as well. It's definitely gone through different phases as I've kind of worked throughout the sport. Cause when I first started, when I first started OCR, I did it with someone I was dating at the time. And we did the Virginia Super before it went to Wintergreen, in 20, uh, so the 2012 one. And it was nice, and I kind of had a good time because I was never a fan of just straight-up running. I got really bored of it, that coming from someone who's now run a 100-miler. Um, I got really bored of just running continuously, so the obstacles were a different challenge, and I'd never completed a set of monkey bars before or even a rope climb. Kind of what got me doubling down on doing more of them And it's a little petty was her friends at the time were all track athletes. So they were all just straight up runners. I remember we were hanging out at the bar one time and this guy walks in with a Tough motor shirt and they kind of like, were like, Oh, look at me walking around in my Tough motor shirt, like kind of giving this guy shit from a distance. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm signed up for like a couple of these type of races. And I was like, you know what? I'm doubling down on this. Like I was going to, I decided to put on more OCRs on my schedule at that point. And that was like my initial of like, why it was it's a, it's such a petty thing to be like you know what fuck these guys i'm gonna try i'm gonna see what it's like to be like an obstacle racing athlete and that's kind of like how it started And of course it's evolved from there and i'll kind of get more into the details later on of like what it's become now but yeah it was uh it was definitely started as spite. <laughs> like,
2: now, how did you get into, or I guess, what's your why, or how you got into OCR making? Because you're you similar to me, and like you came from more of a uh, like a bodybuilding, just gym rat background, right?
3: So for me, it's th- there's multiple parts to my why, but really, I was born with a deviated septum. Like my mom can still speak to when I was born and freaking out calling the nurses, calling the doctors in, looking at me and crying, saying, I don't think she can breathe. I can't see up her nose. There was it, what the doctors described after 20 years of trying to figure out why I couldn't breathe through my nose. Um, they went on to describe it as textbook deviation. So my septum, instead of being straight like a septum is, it was pretty much horizontal or as horizontal as you can get while still being physically attached. Um, So I, (laughs) I know. Are you picturing that now?
2: Um, Yeah. I'm trying not to die with the COVIDs carry on.
3: So it took 20 years to finally get this diagnosed. I mean, I went through allergy shots. I had my tonsils removed. I had my adenoids removed twice, I remember them telling me right before the surgery not to freak out when I wake up because I wouldn't be able to breathe through my nose. And I remember vividly waking up still on anesthesia, still groggy. Um, I woke up. They asked how I was feeling. I turned to my dad and said, I didn't know you could breathe through your nose and your mouth at the same time. And that's with these like giant Frisbees up my nose, like holding my septum in place. Um, When they, they said I wasn't going to be able to breathe. So finally, for the first time in my life, I was getting air through my nose. As I was recovering from my nose surgery, I still couldn't run. I couldn't put two and two together. I had no idea how to run with breathing through my nose. They don't really teach you how to breathe through your nose after you couldn't for 20 years. So I got into bodybuilding pseudo bodybuilding I never competed never had any aspirations of competing but I was an athletic training major strength and conditioning coach uh, my master's is you know all about strength training so when I was working at uh, college in Philadelphia I really got heavy into weightlifting and I would attempt to run like I would attempt to run on and off since my nose surgery And I just couldn't do it. I had no idea how to run. So to stay in shape, I started weightlifting. And after really embracing weightlifting, I was like, you know, I should be able to run. So I got the idea to sign up for this obstacle course race thing, because at least if I was going to run, I would be able to stop every so often and do something that utilized my strength.
2: Right. It wasn't continuous.
3: Exactly. So having been a gymnast all my life, or at least until I was 13 and then switched to cheerleading, um, all of the obstacle stuff came really easy for me. The strength stuff came really easy for me. I just had to get through the running. So I signed up for my first obstacle course race. I was still living in Philly at the time, but it was a race in downtown Boston and I signed up for that one partially because of the Boston Marathon bombings. It was in 2013, just after the bombings. I wanted to go run with my sister, you know, pay homage to the city. But then a week before the race, I was at a concert. It was a Zach Brown band concert with a guy that I thought was a friend. He had ulterior motives, decided to pump me full of beer because you know tailgating country music yay and when instead of me becoming little drunk girl who can't stand i became defensive angry girl who wasn't going to put up with a guy trying to put moves on me he was really upset because i was texting another guy friend and i ended up getting assaulted. Um, He threw me into the street in Camden, New Jersey. I got a concussion and had a race in Boston the very next week. So I ran my first obstacle course race with a concussion and obstacle course racing then went from me just attempting to run to me kind of morphing into this strong woman who wasn't going to ever feel defenseless or helpless. I wasn't going to ever put myself in a position where I couldn't protect myself. So it was really more about overcoming and becoming this strong woman.
1: I mean, that's a super powerful place to start with your racing, especially running a race right after an assault. It's probably a very powerful motivator. It's running with a concussion on top of that.
3: Yeah, don't do it. Um, As an athletic trainer, I knew that I shouldn't do it. Um, I shouldn't have driven up to Boston either. Not my finest moment. Do as I say, not as I do. The athletic trainer in me says, don't drive a car with a concussion. Don't run a race with a concussion. Um, Luckily, my sister did back out the very last second. And my dad, who did not train for it at all, did, in fact, jump in in her place. So we took it very, very easy. Um, I don't think you can say we ran at all during it. But it was definitely more about just overcoming everything that had happened.
1: And how did it feel to get that first finish?
3: I mean, for me, it was fine. I, I was more proud of my dad than anything else because... I knew all along, like, the obstacles are no problem for me. I couldn't run. So it didn't really give me that overpowering wave of emotion. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did this because my goal was to run it and to push myself. But I couldn't because of the concussion. So I was more just proud of my dad for being able to do it. And he definitely had that overwhelming, I can't believe I just did this. Oh, my gosh, I I want to do this more. It had inspired him to want to make a change in his life and potentially run more. But that was very short lived.
1: I would say it's at least good, though, that like, because you're, I think, unlike me and Derek, we haven't had a chance to run with our parents. So we haven't had to have that experience of like getting them out there doing it as much as I would like to have my parents run a race. They're in their sixties. They both have comorbidities. So they're not able to like, I, it would be risky even for them to do like a stadium or even just like one of our shorter sprints. Um,
3: I mean, my dad was in his fifties. He's got a neck fusion. He's got, he broke his elbow when he was in high school. So he can't even rotate his wrist. Like He's got he got his elder elbow replaced like in no way shape or form should he have ever been able to do this and he still stepped in and said I am going to give this a try and for that like I could not be more proud of him like he has so many comorbidities that every single part of a race is probably contraindicated um Again, we didn't run anything, but, like, he gave it a solid attempt on a lot of obstacles.
1: That's kind of, like, interacting with the community. That was kind of, like, one of the common threads I did see with a lot of people who their first race was. Because I asked the question, of like, what was your first race and why? And a lot of them were like, my brother invited me or my cousin invited me. Like, these people, they didn't have any aspirations to do these races, but a family member was like, hey, let's come do this. Like... One of the guys who got back to me, it was just kind of an interesting way of, like, it kind of restarted him already. But it was uh, on Instagram, uh, Mark Rabenold. His first race was a 2014 Tuxedo Sprint, which, woof, to start. Like, that is a, uh, especially even going farther back in the Tuxedo, that's a really rough course. I think I said it before, even my sister's first race was Tuxedo. and That's just a, that's a rough race to even start, even for a sprint. But he said uh, he was a 50-year-old rookie. The addiction really didn't take hold for him until 2016 when he got his first trifecta, and now he has 11. His cousin that invited him got his first trifecta that year, and he, was, he, uh, and he became jealous of that. So that's kind of what like fueled him to keep going. He had already had a background in a few things, but he said, By 2017, I started really following the elites and the very good racers. Uh, and then once they added the age group, it was another big thing for him because he got to jump into a more competitive wave. And being in his 50s, and it was kind of like a way for him to actually find his competitiveness again. And then also he started bringing his kids to races. And stuff. So that's kind of like seeing someone who wasn't really into it and then decided to just... A cousin invited them in. It was like, hey, let's do this. And now in his 50s, he's like, I'm going to give this a shot. And then for him to actually like now have 11 trifectas which is it's a lot of work since 2016.
3: Definitely and like I get it. So my first race with my dad, it didn't give me that overwhelming, I can't believe I just did this sensation because I didn't get to do what I wanted to do with the race. The first time I ran Fenway, I definitely pushed myself and like I was that bitch in open heat who, you know, weaved in and out of all of the crowds, you know cut all of the lines and when people were screaming like hey wait your turn i was like nope i'm running this and i i i ran that entire course and at the time as you know somebody who wasn't training in running who only did like sprints and heavy lifting i was definitely more um built for stadiums but the like i would casually run fenway every year i would casually run urban raid Boston every year. And then in 2016, I decided to jump into my first, like, super in Boston. And from there, I signed up for my beast as well. And when I finished that beast, I had that overwhelming sensation that I, you know, I initially wanted. And I never thought in my life I could run anything longer than a stadium race. So finishing the super... And saying, you know, I just did, you know, eight miles. That was huge for me. But then really crossing that beast finish line, I just like burst into tears. That showed me that I could do really anything I put my mind to. Like, there's still video of me trying to climb the rope at the Carolina Beast, my first ever beast. It was so incredibly muddy. You can hear my mom. Talked to my sister because my sister lived in South Carolina, and we. I got up to the rope climb. And my mom turned to her and said, "Oh, rope climb. This is easy for Megan." Um, And it was so caked in mud that I had to grab like the hay to try and get any kind of traction over the mud because the mud was only you know on the first third of the rope or the bottom third because that's how far people would get before they failed. Um, so it took me like three or four tries to start the rope climb just to get past the mud. And I got to the top of that rope climb. My entire body cramped up. I slid straight back down after hitting the bell. But just the tears came over me because that was right in the middle of the gauntlet to finish the course. And as soon as I hit that bell, I knew I'm about to finish this. And I was crying the entire time that I finished that gauntlet because never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be able to clear, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever, many miles. And that there showed me that like, I became the person that I set out to be. I wouldn't necessarily say I became a runner, but I knew that I could overcome anything that was put in my way. And then from there, I, I had my first trifecta and I was hooked.
1: I've always kind of been chasing that, like, every time I've finished a race, I've never had that, like, moment of, like, holy shit, I did this. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something in me where it's, I, in myself when I'm doing a race, uh, one thing I accredited was, like, being able to finish my 100-miler. Boy, that feels like my biggest claim to fame, I feel like. I bring that up a lot. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I have, what I accredit people is, like, when you do a long race, what requires is an overwhelming belief in yourself that you can do it's kind of like one of the things that can push you the farthest so when i do these races i feel like a lot of the time i'm like i'm gonna be able to do this so when i finish a race i've never had like an overwhelming feeling of like i can't believe i accomplished this i've only gotten very close once and it's when i when i ran my 50 miler uh in 2018 there was just something in me like i was running injured my knee was hurting, so I limped, like, the last 10 miles of this thing. But once I hit the finish line, like, I did get a little emotional myself, but that was about that was about it. Once I finished, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm done. Um, but, like, seeing the people who also, they do these races, and then once they get these finish and they just feel over-accomplished, it's crazy to see, like, the type of thing it motivates them to do. Because one of the stories I got um, this past weekend, and I want to just real quick – I think Miranda OCR surf podiumed this past weekend.
3: Yeah, that was Miranda, okay. Kilpin- Miranda yeah. Kilpinski. She, so she podiumed. She got second and first last yeah. weekend at um, Charlotte.
1: Yeah. She, so she reached out to us and told us her story. So her first race was Tough Mudder in Boston and she purposely signed up to get her ass kicked and that's what happened (laughs) when she she opened with that story I was like ooh I want to know more so like after I was like so what was uh, the finish like and she was like she felt like she found something that pushed her limits and that she wasn't great at but she loved it like she loved uh, she said I love a challenge but I also felt like it was so fun Swinging like a monkey and running through the mud, it fueled the fire for me to want to get into shape and take it to another level. Right away, I saw you could compete, and I was intrigued. Don't get me wrong, it was kind of scary to jump into, but I'm so glad, she, I'm so glad I did. I jumped right into a Group Spartan for my second race. So to hear that, <laughs> to go from there to now, this past weekend, she's standing on the elite podium. That's a pretty big leap, And like...
3: She's no stranger to podiums. Like, Miranda is a beast. She is such a fast runner. To see her continue to get stronger and stronger at obstacles, she is going to continue to be a force in this sport.
2: I've been telling her for weeks now that she's going to podium at Savage Maryland, but she thinks she's going to fail the rig. She has a uh, she has a um I guess a arch rival with the uh, the Savage rig, but I told her she's going to get it and whenever she does, which is going to be in Maryland, she's going to podium and come in first because She's been in, like, first place every time at Savage for the past however many races. and That's what snagged her up, so.
3: I know in November at Fit, she was really stressing the Devil's Playground. Wait, she, she, was, she was... She got... At, got yeah, she, she got third she, at Fit. Her, her oh. husband won it.
1: Right, right, right. With,
3: with their Husky? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
3: Um, she... She knew that the Fit... Devil's Playground was like a nemesis for her. She couldn't master it. So she came in in first place and she saw, you know, Aaliyah and Meg pass her there. And finally um, her husband came through and kind of coached her on how to get up and over it. And she wound up taking third November and beat Devil's Playground for her first time. And since then she's only getting stronger.
2: She's been working her off the game shit ton
3: yeah that I know that's a huge boost in your or in her uh mental preparation and it's only gonna get easier for her from there
1: I love hearing that like her journey started from like I signed up for Tough Mudder to get my ass kicked and that's what happened like she didn't just jump in and this was like natural for her she that thing lit a fire in her that ass kicking from Tough Mudder lit a fire in her and now she's one of our top I would say probably top athletes right now.
3: So out of the Northeast, she's definitely one of the top athletes. Um, I, for, I know she placed top 10, I believe, at Jacksonville in the National Series. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It, it was the day after she podiumed at the Super in Jacksonville. So um, I don't know how that wore her body down, but she's definitely a beast out there.
1: I love seeing the stories of like people who jump in and want to get their ass kicked because it was like uh, also... And also kind of surprised a lot of people's first race seemed to be either. This is just because it's an East coast thing, but a lot of people either did a Tough mutter or it was Tuxedo. Like I had a lot of responses. that like Tuxedo was my first race. And I'm like, there was a lot
2: of people with Tuxedo as their first race that I talked to a lot of I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it is
1: a popular race in our area. I, it, yeah, it was a, I loved that venue. Um, never, I lo- never ran it. I loved and hated it, but you definitely missed out on probably the gnarliest barbed wire crawl.
3: You know, I'm okay with that. I I still don't want to travel for sprints.
1: Yeah, I feel you. That's what makes being a stadium fan so hard. Um, See,
3: I would travel for stadiums. That is a sprint I would travel for because then you're visiting cities. Something. something like- and as, as such a baseball fanatic, which, by the way, the Red Sox just won. <laughs> um, Who they beat? Uh, the White Sox. Oh,
1: Battle of the uh, Sox.
3: I do want to get to every baseball stadium. That is one of my dreams. So being able to go and see different stadiums is huge for me so i would much rather run a stadium race than take a stadium tour so yeah i'll travel to a stadium race
1: one other person who jumped in was uh and i shared her story as a post but Mara, uh, mara rosa i hope it's mara mara rosa or mara rosa my apologies whichever way it's pronounced uh her first race was also tough martyr. and she uh, she said it sounded like a playground for adults, and she was definitely in. She went into the race, it was 10 miles after years of no exercising and eating and eating unhealthy. She was scared to show up on race day. I thought, I'll fail this. The obstacles were so fun. It made time fly, and I felt so good afterwards. It lit the OCR fire in my soul, and I thought, if I could do this with no training or nutrition, what am I capable of with it? And so, like, that's... Finding these, like, stories of, like... I didn't train for this or do anything. And then coming across this sport and being like, damn, what am I, po- what am I capable of? If I put all the right tools together, which is something that like, I'm kind of going through right now with Megan, you training me properly and seeing what I'm capable of after almost 10 years of doing this sport.
3: But so many people have this. Why of it, 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 lit their fire for their transformation whether they set the goal of wanting to run this or they stumbled into this and they saw what they could do and said I want more I don't know how many people I've met at Killington who you know on the first climb are saying oh so and so signed me up for this I don't know why I'm doing this oh I wish I was down oh my gosh this is hell this is brutal and as soon as they cross that finish line Like they were transformed. They knew that this was exactly what they wanted to do. Um, Talking to John McConey out at FIT last week, he in fact said that his OCR transformation started because he wanted to lose weight.
0: My name's John McConey. I used to be about 260 pounds. And I realized that I would never climb to the top of any of the white mountains at the rate I was going. And then a friend, I asked him if I could, if he could help me lose about 5 to 10. And uh, he told me basically most people put their own obstacles in their own way. And that's why they have trouble losing weight. So he asked me to start tracking. And I was like, I kept telling him why that was a pain. And he's like, tell me what I can do to help you. And I thought he was kind of zinging me. So that got me to start tracking. And he's the one that got me to do this race back in fall of 2016. It felt so good I kept coming back.
1: I love that. I love that his friend told him uh, some people put their own obstacles in their own way. Cause that's such a powerful thing to actually say to someone who's try, uh, who's nervous about achieving their own goals of even just like five to 10 pounds.
3: It completely is true though. I mean, obviously as a personal trainer, I talk to people about it all day, every day. I say weight loss and fitness it's one of the easiest things you can do but the motivation to do it is fucking hard i mean all you have to do is eat right so like clean eat cut the shit out you know you have to strength train do your cardio get your rest in um and then the rest just kind of happens but it's all a mental obstacle to say you know I need to go to the gym today or no, I shouldn't be eating this. Or I know I'm tired, but I have to do XYZ. Transformations are all in your head. Anybody can lose the weight as long as they can turn the obstacles in their head off and put in the work. It's not easy when you get when you have to overcome these obstacles for you. But it's so easy once you say, I'm going to do this. I'm motivated. Nothing can get in my way. Then you just follow, you know, your nutrition, your training, and the magic happens.
1: Yeah, I've definitely had that. Granted, I don't have your background in it or even like professional knowledge of it. But I have come across where I had my big weight loss back in 2010. I didn't do it healthy at all. And so anytime... A lot of my friends at the time were also bigger. They're like, how'd you do it? I'm like, I did it this way and I recommend it. It's not the best thing to do because I went in a healthy form, but I've, and I went in an unhealthy way of doing it. They've also wanted to do OCRs with me or do some of the things like they've wanted to work out with me. And I've always told them, Hey, what the, I can't train you in this, but if you're at least going to like do some of the workouts I'm doing, I'll at least I'm like, you're not going to be able to do the weight I'm doing or that, but I, you should at least do what you can to set your own goals at this, especially when it comes to a uh, friend I've brought out to like our local obstacle training area where I'm like, Hey, this, this is probably going to be a little hard and it's okay. If you only get halfway across the monkey bars, just make that your goal. Don't be afraid to just like, I'm kind of telling them like, give yourself two goals, finish, but also have your realistic one in the middle, like where it's, where it's like, hey, I want to finish these monkey bars, but if I get two thirds, that's a pretty big win.
3: Yeah, um, it's, it's really tough. And before anybody gives me shit for saying weight loss is easy, 100%, did not say it as it is easy to do because you have all of these things that you need to overcome. Um, Again, I talk to people about this all day, every day. My mentality as a personal trainer and as a coach is to make lasting lifestyle changes. I hate the word diet because so many people think diet means modifying what you're eating to hit specific whatever. So you need to cut out things and really change what you're eating. When in all reality, diet just means quite literally what you're eating. But then so many people think in order to lose weight or to train or whatever else, they need to go into the gym and they need to kick their ass. So they want to look at, you know, what all of the people are doing. If, you know, Ryan and Lindsay post their workouts, oh, well I want to do that because that's what the pros are doing. And, you know, you have your fitstagram influencers posting these workouts. You see people in the gym doing these crazy heavyweights, whatever else. And so many people think, oh, well, if I want to look like them, I need to do what they're doing. When in all reality, you are not going to create a lifestyle by pushing yourself so far out of your comfort zone. And. Charles, this is where I agree with you. When you're stepping out on the course the first time, it's not, I'm going to go out and run a clean race. It's, I'm going to go out and beat this obstacle, or I'm going to go out and achieve this today. And that's probably why, for me, my first race wasn't that overwhelming and overpowerful for me personally. I was more happy for my dad. And that's because my biggest challenge with that race was going to be my running. Once I had a concussion, I knew I couldn't run. But when I meet a client, I tell them straight out, I'm not the kind of trainer that's going to sit here and kick your ass. You are not going to feel like I just destroyed you after every single workout. I'm going to find where your current comfort zone is at, and I'm going to push you just a little bit outside of it. I want your body to shake just a little bit. I tell them, I'm not going to teach a kindergartner algebra. But then again, I'm not going to teach a college student how to add two plus two. I want to find that happy medium, find where their comfort zone is at, and then just push them just a little bit over it. So when we're making lifestyle changes, I want to give them one specific thing to work on a week. And that is how you're going to create those lasting changes. So, yes, when we come out to a course, I tell my clients, You're not going to beat every single obstacle in the first go. If you really struggle with the overhead obstacles, let's focus on one obstacle at a time. Let's worry about the rings on the multi rig, or let's get you through the first segment of Twister. If you're consistently beating the first segment of Twister, I'm not going to celebrate you beating the first segment of the Twister every single race. If I know you can do it, I am going to celebrate the next time when you ring that bell. I want to celebrate every success, but I'm not going to celebrate every time you are successful at one thing you've consistently been successful at. So with all of these races, we really want people in this transformation realm to focus on overcoming one thing each time and it doesn't always have to be just an obstacle it could be the obstacles in their head you know one foot in front of the other get up to the top of the death march or you know carry that bucket for the first time there are little things people battle and we want to push them out of their comfort zone a little by little. And that's what's going to keep them coming back. And that is what's going to transform them in the long run.
1: And each one of those little goals is definitely just the driving force of like why they keep doing these obstacles. Like So every time you beat something, it's like, all right, I got this. So what's next? Like that becomes their driving force for why they're going to do, I don't know why they feel like doing a quad or pinta effecta in one year or Hit every small local race that we mentioned on our previous podcast episode. Um, go check out all those races. Famous um, plug. <laughs> oh, Derek, you're alive. <laughs> I mean, I'm slowly dying. I'm the sorry. Next thing I was literally they were like, stopped down. Derek, are you alive? Because your video's down too. So I was like, I don't know if he's
3: there.
2: <laughs> uh, I actually just went, and took more meds. I'm good. I'm okay.
3: Good. Um, took a shot of whiskey. There you go.
2: I wish I had whiskey right now. Oh, man.
1: So kind of to tie into just how we've... Finding people getting better at obstacles, like, Megan, you got to do your race with your dad. I got to do a race with my sister. So many of people have kind of been introduced to the sport through friends and family. So you got to talk with a couple of people at FIT. You got to talk with Raquel and Ann, who are friends and they... I can't remember which direction who added, who introduced one to the other, but now this has become like that's their friendship and their goals are now to do these races and get better at them.
4: My name is Raquel, um, and I found the obstacle course racing from my great best friend here, Ann, <laughs> and um, I wanted to get into something that made me feel really strong because I needed that at the time, and I wanted to prove to my son that girls can do anything. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's and right. uh, for ha- to have him be able to look up to me so that's that's, right. that's my why my son mostly <laughs> awesome. and i fell into obstacle course racing because of my soccer team we were playing soccer girls' soccer team uh over 40 and i wanted to prove to myself that it's never too late and you're never too old to start something new and to be the best that you can be and the strongest that you can be. So I started with Boulder Dash in 2010, and ever since I've been continuing to uh, progress. We've been yep. accomplishing more and more races. We did our Spartan Beast. Yep. And we just we did keep. our trifecta together. Yeah, our trifecta together, <laughs> and we just keep proving that you're never too old and it's never too late to keep accomplishing. Yeah, because this more. girl turned 50 this year, Amazing. so she is awesome. I don't <laughs>
1: i honestly can't wait to share this video because when you actually watch them talk um you can see like how their actual friendship is together it's, mm-hmm. like, it's very rare to see like an actual friend like you see people who are friends but like you can actually see their friendship when they talk to each other like they are about this sport together um and I love that they've, that's like, this has become their thing. Also, yeah, you were totally right bringing it up. She started in 2010. She is very much an OG in this sport.
3: Oh, hell yeah.
1: I thought I was like, I thought a couple of times they brought it up where I was like, you know, I started in 2012, it's pretty early. I don't feel like I'm hot shit anymore. Because <laughs> 2010, that is an early start. I also, I mean, we talked with Lynn, I didn't know Boulder Dash started in 2010.
3: Yeah, I think 2010, 2011, one of those. Yeah. But, yeah, she was around from the beginning.
2: I didn't even know OCR was a thing in 2010. Exactly. I was I just graduated uh, What? I graduated high school in 2010. Jesus.
3: Oh, my gosh. You're such a baby. I graduated Dude, college in 2010. I started college in 2010.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys are all old, okay? I mean, I started college in 2010, too. You uh, started. <laughs> this was, like, my third college.
3: I started grad school in 2010.
2: I didn't do my first race until, I would say my, my first OCR was in 2014, was, was my yeah junior going into senior year in college. That's when I like heard about any kind of OCR at all, and it was off Mudder and Spartan race. I didn't even know they were a thing until then.
3: It's so awesome to see their friendship has only gotten stronger because of this sport. I think all three of us can speak to how our friendships have grown and our relationships with our friends um, continue to build because of this sport. Honestly, my racing friends are my best friends at this point. I know Brian and I, we not only do we do the races (laughs) together, we go to concerts together. I'm very much a part of his, you know, family. I'm good friends with his girlfriend. I know his parents. Um, We spent Christmas together. We have not only become racing friends, we are a racing family. Same with Chris. Our friendships drive us to continue to do this. I know that I can race without them, but... Anytime I'm planning any race weekend, they those two are the first people that I text and say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Do you want to go race? We don't necessarily need to race together, but we still travel and go out to races as often as we can.
1: I very much feel you on that because actually before I got into racing, I had very few friends left in my area. Mm -hmm. i had like one or two from high school left but now that i've been racing like my best friends are the people i've met through racing so my friend alan who we met because through my other best friend maria who i met through racing she introduced me and alan and we became best friends just from being like hey one of us wants to go do this race in australia do you like would you be into this and i was like okay um and we kind of just bonded over that and now they're not as much into racing. They still kind of show up, but it does feel very weird if I'm going to a race and I don't have some of my like, local racing friends with me. Cause then I'm just kind of like going to be there and be like, oh, and I, I know a good amount of people at this time, but you kind of like stand there and you're like, oh no, who do I go to talk to now that you're done? Do I just go home? What do I do? So, like, when you actually have friends at the race, it's a pretty good it's It's a, it's a really good feeling. It makes you feel a little bit more comfortable.
3: Exactly. But then we, I know I have introduced friends from the real world into racing. I introduced my friend Colleen to the sport. She ran Fenway in 2017. I remember taking her through that course, and she was just doing whatever she could. You know, we helped her on obstacles, whatever else. She crossed the finish line, and she just burst into tears. She was a roadrunner, but never thought it was possible to do really any of the obstacles that she could do. And she went out, gave it her all. Now she is running obstacle course races much more consistently. She actually just ran her first fit last weekend. But then I've also, I brought a guy that I was seeing for a hot second out in New York in City Field. And it was the same thing for him. He was struggling to lose weight. Didn't think he could ever do it, but he knew it was something that I was really interested in. So he decided to jump in with me and we ran the race. He did what he could. Um, By the end of it, he crossed the finish line and he burst into tears, had to sit down right in the first row, looked on and said, Megan, I had no idea I would have ever been able to do this. Thank you so much for giving this to me. He then went on, um, And he did run tuxedo that year as well, I believe.
1: You didn't go and do tuxedo.
3: I didn't know. (laughs) Again, it was a hot (laughs) second. Like
1: it's okay. It's just, it's just. By the the end of
3: City Field, um, we we were pretty much done at that point. Uh, No, I
1: was gonna
2: say, you know, so like, and that's the thing with too, with you know, either getting people to race or people getting you to race and, you know, vice versa, that it's definitely one of those, you know, other reasons of, you know, why I race, you know, like I wouldn't have, I would have never have done Killington ultra. Had I not had like three friends buzzing in my ear the entire time of like, Hey, Hey, come do this ultra, come do this ultra. And I'm like, guys, I don't do ultras. Right. But it's, it's one of those whys of why you do certain races or, or why you race in general, you know, whether it's your friend literally just dragging you to a race or, you know, bugging you telling you you can't do it. So it definitely all kind of ties in together you know quite nicely of having those friendships while racing because it is one of those you know why reasons
3: I don't even know how many times Brian has said to me I hate you because um I tell him I'm doing a race and he gets instant FOMO and like he jumped into the fit 24-hour race last year he wasn't he didn't decide until a month before. He wasn't training for it, but it was, oh, fine, I'll go do it. Um, but he was coming out on all of my really long runs, and he just decided, you know, I'm gonna go do it. And we have pushed each other to race so many different races, and it's really just a FOMO kind of I'm gonna do it because. I want to be there with you.
1: And then he went out and fit and killed it. Yeah. So Brian, like That was my first time, technically my first time meeting Brian. And yeah, he went out and killed it. <laughs> did his yeah, first ultra did. hit 50 miles? I really wanted to push him for the for the 100k, but he was happy at 50. Um, he,
3: he was hurting. Again, he didn't um, actually train for it, and I knew very well after the funsy lap, just how, um, how he went from being, okay, I can do this, I can do this, and then um, he just got a little irritable, and I knew from there it was, okay, Brian's done. And he was okay with that. And he, he did so much more than he intended to do. He went out with the 50K goal, and he hit 50 miles.
1: Oh, Yeah. I remember him him, uh, telling me that, that he just wanted 50K. And I was like, I mean, if you just keep moving, you can get to 50, 100K, 50 miles, 100K. But sometimes our friends get to do these races, and sometimes those friends don't show up. And that's kind of what happened to one of the girls you interviewed, Megan. Yeah. Nicole, uh, her first race was talked into, and this is her story.
4: My name is Nicole Sibley. Um, How did I find obstacle course racing? A friend of mine said, oh, we should do a Tough Mudder and then completely bailed and I did it by myself. And it was so much fun. I just, I loved it. Um, So, yeah, found the, the New England Spartans and saw them at a race and started racing with them. Went up to Shale Hill where they have this really great fixed obstacle course that's now closed and just fell in love with having fun with the sport.
3: Awesome. And what do you hope to do with the sport moving forward?
4: Honestly, I'm like not feeling so competitive right now because of post-COVID. I'm just trying to have a good time. Um, my next OCR is probably going to be OCR Worlds if that happens. Awesome. Um, do want to do as well as I can in terms of keeping my band. I'm not a real strong climber in terms of like climbing hills, but I love doing the obstacles and swinging from stuff, so.
1: I couldn't imagine being talked into doing a race. Like and never I'm doing an OCR and then like someone's like, Yeah, come on, do it. And then you show up and then they're not there.
3: Well, that's kind of what happened with me and my sister. I got up to Boston and my sister was living in South Carolina, but her sons were visiting my parents in Massachusetts. So we were gonna meet in Boston. She was gonna spend the weekend with her sons and they were really excited. And then last minute she was, uh, guys, I can't. She was in school. Um, just wasn't able to get up, and my dad jumped in last minute. But honestly, had he not jumped in, I probably would have ran it myself, and I've always run the races myself. But Nicole actually brings up another awesome part to the whole friend thing, and that's teams. A lot of people join these obstacle course racing teams, like regional teams or whatever else, because they want like-minded people to race with and to converse with whatever else so that's where for her the New England Spartans came in
1: yeah and like I think everyone every once in a while has always kind of been part of these groups and then like once you get into like these actual dedicated teams no offense to like Facebook groups but like these actual groups of OCR teams like You all within that, you always have this like built in network to be able to reach out, make friends, find ways to get to races, kind of find people to stay with to have like cheaper housing. Like, you end up having this built in infrastructure to kind of always help you get through to races.
3: Definitely. I know I've met so many people who have talked about, you know, Spartan 4.0 or, you know, the Spartans. Derek, I know you're a member of the crew. Um, these teams are all like lifelines to people who are racing.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's one of the main reasons, like I was saying, of why I even got into, you know, more than just like one race a year. Cause when I started out, I only did one, maybe two races a year. I didn't get a trifecta until I think like my third or fourth year. Once I joined the crew and then I joined the crew and it's like, oh, I met all these other people that are into the same thing as me. And they do this stuff like every freaking weekend. Like, that's awesome. I want to do that. And it became a big reason of why I went and raced every single weekend for, you know, 40 weeks out of the year. You know, that's, you know, that's a big part of it is finding that group of like-minded people. I'm also now very winded after that sentence, a COVID, carry on,
1: holy shit. So I wanted to shift gears real quick, because there's a whole other alley into this, uh, why are we racing? And it's a little bit more of the heavier side, and it's something that I can relate with a lot more. Um, And it's a lot of, like, we talk about we have these people that we race with, and sometimes those people aren't actually there racing with us, but they're there in spirit or in another way. And it's something of, like, I kind of alluded to earlier where uh, my why for racing has changed since I started. In 2015, my, um, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. They caught it at stage two. We went through a lot in my family, because we went from being of like the diagnosis was going to be something of we don't know how long this is gonna be. She may have a year. That's what we started with, where it was we were gonna have a year. Um, went through treatment, uh, got the tumor removed, radiation chemo. And then we got the we had this crazy bombshell of her doctor, then told her she has maybe a few months at one point this kind of like shook my whole family and then we kind of dealt with that for a couple of weeks and then the next uh the next doctor's appointment and watching my mom for two weeks basically start preparing uh for it and then uh going talking with her doctor we don't know where that number came from but that wasn't the case because that was in 2016, and now it's 2021. My mother's pancreatic cancer is still in remission. She still undergoes chemo. But what my why turned into was we kind of saw me morphing from being a competitive racer to having more of a meaning to it, which is when I do these races, I tend to lean towards the harder races now, um, things where I can really push myself. And it's not so I can have a harder experience or really see what I'm capable of it's because I have a consistent reminder of watching my mother go through this. Um, To know, seeing my mother who's in her 60s, who was someone who's always in the background. She's never been someone who's like, she's never been the star of anything. She's always been someone's helper. She's always pushed people in front of her. So to see this version of my mother who has an incredible amount of strength and to carry it quietly kind of has pushed me into a mode of like, why I don't, I wear purple almost at every race. And it, a lot of people thought it was for attention and I never really shared it. I've posted it a couple times. It's more, I wear purple in solidarity with my mother because it is a reminder of like what my mother has gone through. If she can endure that, I can endure this race right now. And it's kind of just an ode to my mother in that time. And so that's kind of become my why for each race. It's not, it's not for glory or finding a new medal or just being seen. It is a consistent reminder to myself of what you're capable of now. Um, and then also it is a little bit of a reminder that like, I have always wanted to have that experience of doing a race with my parents and I'm not going to be able to have that chance because it's a little too risky um, for my mother to do something that hard. So every time it's just a reminder of that way. and. Reaching out to the community, I found out other people have had the same kind of stories and I didn't want to share them. They are heavier, but it's just something that is a reminder of, like, the incredible amount of strengths you can find here. So I have three stories I wanted to share about loss and how it drives people in this sport. One is from I Sweat Pixie Dust on Instagram. Um, Her first race was Tuxedo 2018. Initially, she said it was a great way to get back to living after her mother died. Her quick version was in 2017, her mom was sick for 113 days uh, with a gnarly tumor. That is her words, not mine, gnarly tumor. I was three months from getting married when she died. It was a total train wreck. I took care of her mostly alone. That race was awful. I was not in shape for it, but it was actually was the greatest thing to happen to me. I finally started feeling anything again. I have made amazing friends. I realized I was in the wrong relationship. She is now in the best shape ever. She has a crazy drive for this sport and community. Without OCR in that race, I don't know how I would have handled losing my mom. She gets it. When she races, especially endurance races, which she has come to love, I remind myself that my mom endured literally listening her mind for 113 days straight and smiled and praised God the entire way through. I can handle a few more miles, hours, and obstacles it's even more of a thing for me because i have a few autoimmune issues and tore my bicep and biking in october so reminding myself of how she handled dying so gracefully really keeps me focused on pushing myself when things feel tough so knowing these stories really kind of pushes you to find your own strength seeing it going seeing someone you love go through something very tough like it it hit me very hard to read to read that story because I didn't lose my mom, but I was very close to, and so to know someone else has kind of also gone through that same struggle really settled with me and really made me feel, I know there is a lot of networks out there of like people who have cancer survivors and have lost family members, but in the sport it made me feel more connected to the community that way because I have also had that same feeling and it's very hard to find other people, Who'd know what that weight feels like? Okay, I have a second story back to back. I only laugh because this is as heavy This is fucking heavy for me. So the second story is from my buddy Alan. I started doing OCR because my buddy Matt. We would watch videos of Tough Mudder and tell ourselves next year we will get in shape and do it. Then he lost his battle with PTSD with the Marine Corps, and I decided the next year I would do a tough mudder and not put it off for another year. And I just kinda never stopped running them. I'd carry my camo bag with me to all the races, with a change of clothes in it, and put my race clothes into it. It was his bag that he always traveled with. I think like with my granted, my purple shirt is something that I put on myself, but I think it is also just one of those Tokens, like Alan's friend's Matt's bag, it is something that they can bring with them as a reminder to why we're doing these races. And the final story is from Hard Gainer Blonde. Uh, she did her first OCR in 2017 at a pivotal time in her life. My, her mother was battling breast cancer. She, and not her mother but herself, was going through a divorce. And the day before the race, she lost her job. It was one hell of a life changing year. But learning to push through fear and pain, try new and difficult things and grow stronger and more resilient was the best possible possible gift I could have given myself. When you turn a corner in a race and you're staring down that big, scary obstacle, you know you can handle it. And that skill applies so much to life as well. Resilience is a muscle that requires training, fuel and also rest. So that's my why I use fitness in general and OCR in particular to keep all of my muscles working and to force myself to take on challenges with an attitude of excitement and strength. And I think those, fi- those final couple words is really what like, kind of sums up a lot of the drive to this. When you, turn, when, when you turn the corner and you see that big obstacle, you know you can handle it because of the things you've gone through in life already and what's pushed you to get there. Like, you get to see this next obstacle and go, I'm going to get it. Like, no matter what's kind of, like, driving you, whether it is someone who you've lost or someone you're carrying with you or even just having friends bring you into this, you see that next obstacle and you go, I can do
3: this. When out of this is somber and deep. I know. I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, I guess I'm very fortunate that I haven't had... Something that heavy around my OCR career.
1: Um, I can say it's like because I have a similar perspective, but it's very like like I said, it's different. My mother is currently surviving pancreatic cancer, but it's it's definitely something that is. It becomes a different type of fuel, like because we all have our different motivators that get us there. Is we want to we want to do this next longer distance or. We know we can do this because you overcame an injury in the past. It is all kind of the same. It's just a different kind of weight that hits you. So dealing with loss or dealing with a potential loss or something as heavy as cancer, it is a different experience, but all in the same because it's more, it definitely builds kind of what she was saying, where it's all of your muscles. So it's not just like your body. You're kind of also building your mental strengths with it. Like it is a kind of a weight that you've learned to carry and it it's an emotional weight but you kind of transform it into this this fire of like i can do this i watched someone else go through hell if they can do that i can do this
2: <laughs> exactly i mean you you literally just use it as fuel for yourself i mean you're overcoming obstacles in a race but it's also overcoming obstacles you know in your life it is
1: emotionally heavy and i didn't expect a lot of people to like, be able to respond to it because it is like For me, it was heavy even just to read it and talk about it. So I know it is like a gear shifter in mood, but it is definitely something of like you've kind of learned to deal with and you just hearing other people being able to also go through it. If you're in kind of the same camp I am, once you kind of hear someone else has done it, it makes you feel a little bit more grounded and connected with the community because you're no longer standing alone knowing that like I've had to carry this way. It's like other people do it too. And we can be badasses while we do it.
3: I guess I'm just struggling to like respond to it because I don't want to ever feel like a shitty person for being like, oh, you went through all of this. And this makes me think of how the sport has changed me. Oh, yeah. Um, I understand that. (laughs) Like, I definitely do not have I, I have not had loss circled around this sport. I have been through a lot of rough shit in my life. Um, I don't really talk about a lot of the stuff that I've been through in my life. Um, But, and I'm still not going to talk about it. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, But finding this sport definitely gave me that mental spiritual transformation. And I think anybody who has been through some like really rough times They don't know how to really cope with a lot. And that is definitely something I've been through. Um, For probably my entire young adult life, I was struggling in my identity. I grew up in a family where we were all girls. And, you know, coming from Wisconsin, we were told, oh, you know, you're going to get married, have babies. My mom said she, you know, was done having kids at the age of 30, but then accidentally got pregnant with my sister. Um, but you know, biological clock and you have to fit these social cues. Um, you know, my mom always said, never come home with your, you know, with Kool-Aid hair and don't ever get tattoos. Don't get piercings. And, um, that worked real well for
2: you, didn't it, Megan? I, I know. I was, I was just about to say I'm not <laughs> laughing at that.
1: I'm only laughing because in context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Green hair tattoos. yeah. At least it's not Kool-Aid colored. I mean. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> but um, I, I had a there was a horrific life event that I went through when I was 15 and um, I never coped with it. And then I didn't know how to find myself having been through this. And I, again, I went through a couple of other really shitty events in my life that um, I felt like I was forever alone. Um, I loved, you know, hard rock metal music, but in my family, I'm supposed to be a girly girl. So I couldn't listen to, you know, metal music, couldn't watch wrestling. Um, All of this stuff, it, it was just against the norms. So when I found obstacle course racing, I felt like I finally had that therapy I needed where I could be myself. I mean, I've forever said that Obstacle course racing is this club of just misfits who don't know where they fit in. Um, I have met more people who are similar to me than I had ever found anywhere else in life. And for once, I felt like I didn't need to try to fit in. I didn't need to listen to music that I don't like or, you know, sit and have boring conversations about things I don't care about. I don't need to make small talk. For once, I could talk to people and they understood me. I didn't need to hide in, you know, the shadows. Um, I, I'm i a outgoing introvert, but finally, like, obstacle course racing is allowing me to become an extrovert because, for once, people actually understand me and I can be myself. And I have, you know so many friends now that love me unapologetically for who I am and I don't have to put on a you know persona or whatever else as soon as I finished my first trifecta literally the next week I dyed my hair green and the week after I got my tattoo and I felt like this is who I've always wanted to become
1: like that's kind of uh I have always warned people against And when they jump into OCR, I'm like, don't let this become all encompassing. But there is a section of the sport where it does allow you to become what you've kind of always wanted to be, Um, even if it is like finding your own identity or just like we've said, finding that strength within yourself to actually just be kind of like the strong person you either always envisioned yourself to being.
3: I've honestly never been happier. I just feel like I actually have a purpose and a a direction in life. Um, I didn't have to really, what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't have to just really try to become something that I'm not.
1: You didn't have to sacrifice your originality.
3: Exactly. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of struggles and we hit on it during our... um, family and friends episode and there were there were years where my mom would say haven't you gotten that out of your system and I mean I still get asked questions by my parents about don't you ever want to date and are do you ever want to put down roots do you even want a family and um for once that and finally they're understanding that I needed to find myself and be happy in myself and i attract people who are like minded and just match my energy match my goals now because i'm finally comfortable in who i am and again like i'm pretty sure it was justin manning who said it that greatness finds greatness people who share similar interests um and a similar mindset they're always going to find each other and this sport has given me the life that I wanted. And it's only because I finally found myself.
1: So we've kind of talked about through this of like how this sport has kind of always bettered us, like through us achieving our own goals and our own obstacles, what's driving us to do this. But we kind of have a kind of flip side perspective of this where we have uh, an interview with Larry for Full Potential Obstacles. And kind of what has driven him to do this of someone who is an obstacle designer, and I kind of wanted to highlight exactly what he has to say about this because he's a really interesting take on it himself.
5: I got into full potential obstacle. It was a, a just, it's it's in the name. I want I want to see people's full potential. Like I said, I I was out there. I just got into OCR. I've seen what obstacles were out there. I'm a climber.
2: So uh,
5: I got a job, not a job, but a hobby to just help people out. Uh, Find out what the weaknesses are in obstacles and people and create that obstacle and uh, not
1: make friends. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing because I've never actually thought about it when someone is creating an obstacle. Like I've always kind of thought when like these guys are designing stuff, it's like, I just want to make things that are really hard and people can't complete like that's kind of the only mindset i've ever had for people who design obstacles but to hear larry be like i wanted to create obstacles that would challenge people and kind of push them to get in like to get better i think that's a super interesting take from the other side of not just being us being racers but like the people who actually design this stuff
3: but it definitely also leads into the people in this sport and i know all three of us are at that point now where we. Started because we wanted to change something about ourselves. We wanted to try something, you know, overcome some things, see how we do. And now we've been here for years and we just want to continue to get better. I mean, it's one of the things that we say to people once they've ran Spartan for so long. Okay, well, either you want to stay in that comfort zone of only Spartan, you know, the obstacles aren't really changing all that much, or you can step outside of your comfort zone and you can keep racing different races. Um, I'm actually making a post tomorrow about, um, one of the things I love in this sport and that's the uncertainty and not, we're not training specifically for an obstacle or specifically for a race. We are training to overcome whatever is in our way. So there. Are definitely people because we're, we, the three of us are, some of them, who are continue to be in this sport. And part of our why is to continue to challenge ourselves to better ourselves. And in fact, out at Fit, I did talk to Nick Eichhorn and he has one of those perspectives as well.
1: Hi, I'm Nick. Uh, started off, of course, racing. To stuff. saw it, saw what I ended up signed up.
0: Wanted to challenge myself, progress, better, better. My why is bettering myself. I compare myself to myself and not try and look at others and
1: be better than the person I was at the previous race, or the previous month, or the previous year. Constant improvement, basically, back it's also interesting to see that perspective from nick because nick is someone currently now who is killing it
3: well right now he's injured but yes
1: well true but like based on like from the 2019 like our first, last full season like nick was killing it and he was getting in incredible shape and just what his back-to-back noram races like 3k and 15k like just absolute absolutely destroying it um
3: Oh, he was crushing it. So he
1: is like, now, now that he's on the mend, it is going to be interesting to see like how hard he pushes himself once he's fully able to go. Because I know he is, a, uh, he is a force, and he is one of those guys who doesn't just sit in age group. He'll step into the elite waves as well.
3: Oh, yeah, he was um, destroying the age groups. so he finally did jump into elites. I'm really excited to see what he does as he continues to come back. Oh, yeah. I know for me, while I say, you know, I do want to continue to get better and everything else, a big part of my why is to have fun. So, as we're talking about like getting better, and I know I'm competitive, one thing I always told myself was if the competition becomes more important than having fun, I didn't want to do it anymore. And even stepping into fit last weekend, I looked at everybody at the start line. I said, you know, there's no way I'm podiuming. And I say that at every race. Um, I don't even force myself to go there because I put so much pressure on myself to do well that if I'm telling myself I need to win or I need to chase down a podium, then I'm not having fun. And um, I think there, there are a good amount of people that are, looking to get better they want to win but ultimately we all just want to continue to have fun
2: do girls just want to have fun that's
3: all i ever want
2: i'm sorry i i can contribute very little to this whole thing without feeling like i'm dying so i got to throw in those comments when i can
1: (laughs) carry on yeah it's definitely become like if I, one thing I've always told myself when I'm doing something, especially as a hobby, like, if it starts feeling like work, then I'm not going to want to do it anymore. So I've definitely been very cautious of that with obstacle racing because I'm kind of glad I had, we had 2020 the way it was because it gave me a break. I had been running OCR since 2012, and, like, I just did it nonstop. I'd run, I'd run almost every kind of race, and I was just kind of like, boy, I need a break. And, well, we were given one. Uh, and now that that's kind of coming past, I've reignited the myself and I'm like, I'm ready to really see what I can do. And, but I also, in process of getting better, I have had more fun doing like working out and I've only had one OCR so far and I had a lot of fun doing it. So
3: like, I'm just really
1: excited for our upcoming races and now actually being able to go out and have fun and compete at the same time. With the amount of feedback we got from this, it's a little difficult for us to hit on every single one like and have them be relatable in a way to us or even talk about it. But we did at least want to give them their time for these people to tell their why, because they're all from different perspectives. We wanted to play this quick montage of just people's why that we when we made and went out to Fit Challenge and interviewed them. So we wanted to give them their time, and these are their whys. Hey, you doing? My name is Steve Bacon. Um, here doing the Fit Challenge obstacle course race today. Getting into obstacle course racing a few years ago, uh, Boulder Dash down in Exeter where I live. Um, and then just start learning more about the other
2: races and what's going on and Fit Challenge and Spartan. Um, I'm also the founder of
1: Rhode Island Ops Course Racers, which is a group of
2: about 350 Michael, of the most rapid racers. And
1: everybody just makes friends and connects and see. each other at races just makes things all the more fun. And that's what it's all about for me, just get out there and having fun.
5: I'm Steve Nelson. I'm the owner of Prospect Acres Off-School Course. And we're here to, one, promote teamwork. Team is always spelled with an E on an I. And we're here to have fun and support Rob's great course. Okay. My name is Ryan Baxter.
0: Uh, I'm actually a health coach on the side of RJB Health Coaching. Uh, And yeah, I got into obstacle course racing just for something to do. And I found this awesome community and uh, people like Steve and all the other people out here. And uh, yeah, just come out here and have fun and inspire others to stay fit and healthy. we got 15 of us out here having fun. We'll be here all day. Ron Valancourt, uh, my why is just the adrenaline kick. It's an adrenaline rush for me, and I love it, and the challenge, 100% complete, is what I strive for every race.
3: Awesome, and how did you find your first
0: race? Uh, it was actually, actually probably Spartan
4: up at Killington.
0: The first race was a sprint, and fell in
5: love with it then. Just like everybody else, got addicted.
4: Denny Parker. I run OCR partly because he introduced me to it and because I want to see what I'm capable of.
3: What do you hope to do with OCR?
4: Build strength and then eventually, uh,
5: what's it called?
4: Age group. Move into age group. Move into age group. (laughs) And, no, what is it called? Iron Man. I want to be able to do an Iron Man in the future.
0: My name is Eric Lau. Got an obstacle course racing about three years ago now. Um, some friends pulled me in, and uh, I've stayed with it. I love challenging myself, um, keeping me in shape, and and best of all, I love the community. Definitely love the community. Um, Some good opportunities, I'm a part of uh, OCR Gives Back. Um, So we actually do mission trips, where we bring obstacle course races to underprivileged kids in other countries, or all around the world. I I go to Mexico, Um, hopefully we are able to get the go-ahead to go next year,
1: so.
4: Hi everyone, my name is Lindsay. I'm the current Miss Massachusetts and I am an Ninja Warrior competitor and Obstacle Course Racer.
1: Hi, I'm Kyle, I'm also an Ninja Warrior competitor in Obstacle Course Racer.
4: I began racing way back when, but I feel like the reason why I've really stayed in the sport is this mentality that you get throughout Obstacle Course Racing. When you're tackling something like a Destroyer on the course, I feel like that mentality really relates to things that you do at home when you're tackling something like overcoming an injury or maybe a difficult situation that you're facing in work. That mentality that you have on the course really transcribes over to what you're doing and it helps you become a stronger human no matter where in life.
1: And I got into obstacle course racing ninja just because it's a fun way to stay active and to work out and then it turned into a competitive scene for me. My name is Rob McCoy.
5: I am the owner of the Challenge. I got into racing in 2012 because a client of mine at the time asked me if I would do a warrior dash with her, and I did. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Um, Hold on. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's my why. Like, why I get into it.
3: Okay. And how did the challenge come about? Um, Just kind of an idea.
5: I was doing a bunch of events, and I felt like... Something that I could do felt like something that would be fun. Felt like something that um, was kind of needed at the time, and uh, started it, and it has gone from there. I obviously love it. I obviously love every aspect of it, but I, I think oh. that our- <laughs> I think that our community is a little bit different in the sense that it's. You know, again, our, our race is probably a little bit different because we focus on that community aspect of it where it's more of a challenge. It is more more a challenge than it is a race. We encourage people to run their own race. We encourage people to, to uh, conquer their own challenge. And everybody here is doing something different. Everybody everybody here came for a different goal and, and we want to be able to help them achieve that goal.
0: Michael Stefano from Op Running Adventures podcast. Oh boy. So I got into obstacle course racing in 2012. Uh, I told my athletic friend about it. And I figured this was something that I would never do. And I was going through a rough time in my life and I figured, well what I'm what I'm doing currently isn't really working, so maybe I should do something that I would never do. And I did Spartan Ainsbury and it kicked my ass, can I swear? Yes. Okay. Kicked my ass. And I loved it. I, I Ever since the first obstacle, it was just like muddy trenches. I got all muddy, and it sounds weird to say, but something like primal activated in my brain, and I'm like, I love this. And over the years, just the, the yeah, bonding with, with nature and exploring and having adventures, I'm not someone that goes for really great times. I just like to have a good time and just Get a big group together go across finish lines and so i started the team in 2013 and we did that until like 2017 where we would just travel all over we went to the spartan cruise in bahamas and we just had an awesome time with awesome people made some really great friends and i transitioned to the podcast and that's really been my big niche i want to the sport in any way I can and it's not going to be being elite it's not going to be in like getting team together it's going to be doing podcasts so in 20, geez, 2017 I think I started the podcast and I just wanted it to be almost like a time capsule where I can look back and be like oh remember that time when we did that crazy race you can know, listen to it again and that stuff like is evergreen and then I figured I needed to push myself further out of my comfort zone and elite and interview elites and what I did is I went to City Field after sleeping for two hours because I was in a wedding in New Jersey and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I was partially hungover getting there and just interviewing Bracken, Kent and Isaiah Vidal were the first three people I interviewed. Super nervous. And over time you realize these people are absolutely incredible but they're just regular people. And it just made me appreciate the sport even more. So if I could do anything with my podcast, and this is my why, is to spread the sport, spread the joy of the sport. If you're overweight, come out, try an OCR, do the best you can. If you want to be elite, all right, like connect with these elites, you can do better. Just challenge yourself, get out there, have fun. And uh, yeah, I just, I love the sport. It's done so much for me. And I just want to do, you know, so much for it back. So it's a great sport.
1: And if you're not doing it, you should it. So I think one quick way to sum this whole episode up is something that's very obvious, which is everyone has a different why, but they all kind of boil down to the same thing. It is exactly what fuels us to continue doing, going into the next distance race, find beating the next obstacle, pushing ourselves to either get back into the sport or get better at the sport. It's all... Everything's going to be a different reason why, but they all are the same driving force and Fire that kind of pushes us to the next level. So I wanted to thank everyone who's kind of contributed to this, because some of these were really amazing to read. Some of these were really fun to actually hear them like, this is what people got there. Like, I had never heard a story of someone being told to sign up for a race, like Nicole, her friend told her, and then did sign up. Then also just me being able to relate to other people who have also gone through the same things. Everyone's why is unique and special in its own way. So I'm kind of glad we got to share these communities. And we hope after people hearing these episodes, I would still love to be able to share people's why even afterwards. So if you have a story you'd wanted to, you wanted to share with us, definitely send it to us, email, Instagram message. Either way, I would love to spotlight it because each of them are special to the community and someone else out there will be able to see it and go, wow. This is exactly like what pushes me. And I'm really happy to see like someone else is kind of in the same camp.
3: Definitely. At the end of the day, other people's stories can be motivating. Hearing what draws them out to a race can help to pull somebody else there. So, regardless of what your why is, you could be the determining factor between somebody else deciding whether or not they wanted to get out on the course. Hearing your story. Could pull somebody off the couch and out onto that race course.
1: I know, with all these stories, it is probably building a burning fire within our co-host Derek to get better from COVID and to go out there and kick some uh, kick some ass at races once he's fully healthy. Yeah,
2: I'm just trying to breathe right now. So that's the goal: is to be able to breathe again and be able to actually walk. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just trying to walk my dog without getting winded. That is, that is the only goal right now.
1: <coughs> I can thank you all to the community who contributed your stories. This has been an episode we were building for a couple of weeks. I didn't know the feedback I'd get, and it kind of came all in waves, and it was really great to hear from everyone. We're going to continue sharing as we build up to the release of this episode people's stories, their interviews, on their posts.
3: Thank you to everybody out at fit who I talked to guys, the more we go out to races, the more we want to continue to collect your feedback. So every week we're going to have a different topic and we just want to get your input. So if you see us and you want to say something on the podcast, flag us down. We will be looking for everybody to come and talk with us.
1: Yeah. We will be at Savage race in a couple of weeks. Look for us after we finish and we'll probably have our cameras or our uh our mobile recording studio, aka the phone and my podcast mic, to uh, get some feedback on whichever our topic is at. Or if you just have a story you wanted to share, I'd love to hear it. So, our plug section. Megan, where can they find you?
3: I am Maggie ATC on Instagram. I'm also the OCR trainer on Instagram facebook and youtube i also have my website theocrtrainer.com where i do my um, online coaching
2: they can find me quarantined in my house on my couch oh oh you mean on my social media accounts (laughs) 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 yeah um you can (laughs) jesus christ all right you can find me you can find me on uh, instagram at uh, obstacle underscore activist uh, on Facebook, which is Derek Rzansky and on YouTube, which is obstacle activist.
1: Um, And you can find me on Instagram at sabertweets underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. Um, You can find us probably the way you found us on your podcast uh, app, but on our Instagram and Facebook at middle of the pack pod, we have our link tree where you can find us on whichever podcasting device you use. Make sure to follow, like, rate, download, uh, listen to us over and over again if you'd like. Send us direct feedback. We are open to taking feedback on this. Um, We have now crossed into double digits. So that's a pretty big accomplishment in my book. But, But again, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next time.